came in my full regala now, I guess you might say. I uh, decided to put my jacket on for the uh, this service. I hope that everybody enjoys it as well. To uh, It can get hot up here, I'll just tell you. So if you're cold, all you have to do is just come up here for a few minutes, and I guarantee you all that cold will go away from you quickly. I'm just telling you how it is. Good to see everyone made it out today, and I thank you, Brother Randy, for the uh, the good song selection as well as uh, bringing us up to speed on uh, what's going on around about us. I do uh, wanted to ask all the church members uh, to be patient with us as we are looking at moving the business meeting to the 18th. Uh, the main reason is is that we have several people that are going to be on vacation. I'd rather have, a, as they used to say when I was in school, as long as we got a quorum. I said, I'd rather have a quorum than a quarrel. And I said, that's all there is to it. And mainly a quorum is to make sure we have enough of the body uh, in place so we can discuss things more clearly. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. And... Uh, I've entitled this morning's message as Preparing the Church. Uh, normally I give that ahead to uh, Brother Joe right off the bat. But the reality is is that when we're taking a look at preparing the church, what is going on and what is required in the preparation of the church? I want us to go down, uh, if you will, to verse 41, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Very common passage that I enjoy so very much. And uh, the reality is, is that this was something that was laid up on my heart this week, and I couldn't help but uh, preach about it as well. Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were uh, baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. May I point this out to you? This is not a line of uh, controversy even amongst Baptists. Because reality is, is that Baptists of our ilk will turn around and say, yep, the Lord added 3,000 to the church on that particular day. The big question is, is how big was the church to begin with? Was it 12? Was it 120? We don't know, because the Bible doesn't give us that in clarity. We can speculate, but the reality is, is that we do know what we have here, beginning of verse 41. Uh, there were 3,000 souls that were added, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now what's interesting is I made the comment about the first church. And uh, when we think about this, you'll hear a lot of the world that will go around and say, well, the first church was uh, built upon Peter. And, of course, they bring that up because of what we read over in the book of Matthew. We, as believers in the local New Testament church, we really believe that it was established upon Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to show you a verse right now. Bear with me, if you all will, because we're going to be uh, probably searching a lot in Scripture today. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want us to go down, and this is not the only place that is written, but we do see the clarity 
other than these two verses. So let's go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verse 27. And it says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Alright, so we are a body of Christ, right? And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Notice again that the first thing that the Lord established the church upon was the apostles. So when we go to Matthew chapter 10, or Luke chapter 6, or anywhere else where we see the apostles that are being called out, even in John chapter 1, the Lord is calling to himself the first congregation. And the thing is, they all had one thing in common, and we can actually see that in Acts chapter 1 as well. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 21, and notice that these are the qualifications that was required not only of the first church, but has continued to this day. Look at verse 21. Wherefore these men which have company with them, Because the fact is, is John baptized Jesus Christ, and as we can read over in, in John chapter 3, we also read how that uh, Jesus baptized uh, none, but his apostles, I said chapter 3, that's in chapter 2, but instead we found that the apostles now having the authority because of Jesus Christ and the baptism that was administered to him, we begin to see that passed along as well. But look what it says again in verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness of, with us of his resurrection. So the reality is, is that when we take a look at the first congregation, the first congregation had not only these requirements, but then there was an addition to the first church, which we are going to see as well. One of the things that we oftentimes say is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our salvation. But may I point this out to you, there's one hope that we lay on to, and that is his return. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1 as well, and notice again, what it says beginning at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, this is after his resurrection. This is after his crucifixion. This is after his burial. So we have the death, burial, and resurrection. He is still speaking to them and answering the questions of the apostles. As we read over in Matthew chapter 28, there were still a lot of doubters that occurred. But notice again what it says at this particular point. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Now, the thing is, the Lord is removed. He is going into a gradual descent into heaven. Let me say something to you. The heavens are a spectacular thing to watch. I've had the opportunity to see a couple of space shots that have left from uh, Cape Canaveral when I lived down in Florida. And I was visiting one time in Florida, uh, in Melbourne, Florida, and it's right in line well, where you see the, uh, the, the, the satellite launches or the missile launches. And I'm just out there watching, and sure enough, there goes one of the, the uh, satellites as it's being lifted up off the ground, and you had that great 
uh, trajectory that went in. And I just was glued to the sky to see that great big fireball as it entered into the sky. Reality is, can you imagine that there was no fireball? There was nothing but the Lord standing there in front of the apostles, and he began to be lifted up off the earth. And as he's lifted up off the earth and being taken out of their sight, these men are watching. I mean, they are literally watching. And as they're watching the Lord, that are standing beside them, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why he gave you a job. The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come into heaven. These then return unto Jerusalem from the Mount Paul Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. In other words, they allowed them to only travel so far. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. <coughs> the reality is, the connection between chapter 1 and what we read in chapter 2 is together. The responsibility of the Great Commission, as we can also read in Acts chapter 1, is given to the church. I tell you this. I, I love going out and I'm hoping that everybody I can communicate with is going to come barging in here on a Sunday morning and say they're going to be a part of our services. I have told doctors, I have told law, many people about this little congregation that we have where and they have and the ones that do show start this service today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to ask him to guide us and lead us as we start our study together. Father, again, we want to thank you for your blessings and the opportunity to stand before the congregation. Lord, I know that in this valley, in this area of Huntington and, and, and Ashland and Ironton, South Point, Chesapeake, and all around us, Lord, we have the, the gospel that is being taught, and we are blessed to be a part of that gospel. But Lord, if we are not busy for you, we will be taken up off this earth, maybe ahead of time, because we are not focused upon you the way that we should be. Lord, I pray that you will help us to grow and that you will help us to be what you would have for us to be. Lord, give us a substance, give us a stand, give us a, a, a substantial evidence within our heart that we may follow you in, in all that we say and do. So guide us today, Father, and bless and watch over us in all things. May we rejoice in thy name, and guide and direct us now, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. So as I begin this today, I, I want us to go back over, and I want you to see all conclusions of the four Gospels, and I want you to see what it says in regards to the Great Commission. Everybody with me? Let's go ahead and let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And I want you to see what we find 
in regards to the Great Commission. Now understand this. We quote Matthew because it's the easiest one to follow. And when we begin to see this, and of course Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, also are in conjunction with this. But notice what Jesus said beginning in verse 18. In Matthew chapter 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power... We baptize, then we begin the teaching, teaching them to observe... that was given. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16. And in Mark chapter 16, let's go to verse 20. This one we don't like to use as much because inevitably somebody is going to point out that all Look what he says in verse 15. And Jesus saith unto them, Go ye is in a direct obedience to the salvation that has been administered to us, Colossians chapter 1. And these signs shall means language. I also speak enough German to get myself in trouble. Alright? By the way, let me just say this. Don't ever go to a German and say one. That's one. That's I. Okay? Why? You don't want to know. Anyway, the reality is, is that the fact is, is that German is another glossy. It's another language. So when we speak in tongues, it is giving glory to God. And it's really amazing to me how many people will say, oh, I speak in an unknown tongue. Really? Well, do you know That's powerful. 
You know, the thing is, when I, I need to seek the Lord to help me understand the Scriptures. What is it that you want me to know? Once again, I want us to go to the Gospel of John, and let's go to chapter 21. <clears throat> We're going to go down to verse 23. Nancy, I think I got a little bit of cough. Don't you worry. You didn't give it to me. All right. Verse 23. And I'm not writing with Randy for 10 straight hours, coughing every, every few seconds. All right. Verse 23. Then went this saying above. You see this. And there are to detail everything. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, the Great Commission was given not only to those apostles, but he gave it to the church. Not to every Johnny come lately congregation. And understand, there was just one church that was originally established. Jesus established his congregation. He established it in Jerusalem. He established it with the apostles. But then as the requirement was,
And so as I went there, I, I was thinking about how hot it was, and I was out there digging, and, and we were doing all the nasty work that people just don't like to do. And I made the comment that, you know, at least it's not as bad as it in, you know, in Egypt. One of my co-workers looked at me and said, oh, they, they didn't have it that bad. Well, because of their affliction, they cried unto God for deliverance. My needs to be done. Lord, help me win the lottery. Well, I don't like playing the lottery either because it's a waste of money. But the reality is, is that my affliction was a Those poisonous snakes were everywhere, and yet they endured the, the poisonous snakes. They had to eat leeks and onions, which all make smell. They had the flesh pots, where they didn't eat the best flesh, they ate what was given to them. Reality surprise me. That's what they did to Jesus. Do you realize that when Jesus walked upon the earth, people did not come to him because they wanted to know more. This is amazing. If you're in the Gospel of John, turn back with me to chapter 7. This wasn't in my notes, but it just occurred to me, and I want you to get this as well. well matter of fact, I said 7. Let's go back to chapter 6. John chapter 6, and I want you to go down to verse 66. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Wow! You mean the they were walking and walked away from Jesus. Why? Then said Jesus unto the twelve. when I hear things like that. And the reality is, when we, if we are going to turn that kind of attention around, we have to get back to the things of God. Look what it says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 again. And I want you to see what's happened. The Holy Spirit is given. Man, this is something I, I mentioned in the earlier service. The Holy Spirit is 
guarantee you, and I figured it up one time, those 12 men, <laughs> they probably had a pretty good sized baptismal service. And reality is, is that as they entered into the baptismal waters, the first question was, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Spirit and above all the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One man. And you know, we haven't really gone into a lot of detail about what baptism is about. But do you realize from the moment that they said that they believed in Jesus Christ, they were not sprinkled, but they were immersed into the waters. They were buried. to see it. But I wonder how many times somebody's pulled on the door and nobody's here. And you know, maybe they want to come in, they want to study. And, and again, this is, just, this is a reflection on me. Not a reflection on the congregation. This is a reflection on me. I wonder how many times people come, want to come in and they want to talk about the things of God, but they meet closed doors. Reality is, when somebody comes in, if they, are, if they have a teachable spirit, not if they want to impose, and I've had some preachers that they'll come in and say, well, the Lord... No, he doesn't. No, we didn't call you. And I don't think God has laid it on my heart to have you come and stand in my place. I have a message that's still got to be delivered. But the reality is, is that the teaching aspect means that after they have been baptized, after their confession of faith, then I need to sit with them like little children and teach them. Now think about this. Come on. Here's where this came to. I was laying up on my bed, and I was thinking about this service. And one of the things that came into my mind was, how long should it take to teach someone about Jesus? Think about that for a moment. Now understand this. The Holy Spirit is already with them. But again, I want you to see this. In verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. Reality is, is that they were continually serving the Lord. And because they were continually serving the Lord, they were not afraid. There's times that I just would love to be able to sit down and tell someone, let's talk about the Bible. Now, it doesn't have to be in this sanctuary alone. 
But everywhere we go, there should be the opportunity to talk about the things of God. There's times Greg and I will, you know, he'll plant corn, he'll will come weeds. And he'll say, thank you, Adam. Sometimes we, we, we look around and we see something beautiful and we see the corruption because of time and effort. Reality is, we also have to have the responsibility to be teachers. I thought about this as well. Whenever someone comes in and they want to know about the things of God, do I want to teach them the things of God? Jesus was with the apostles three years, and after three years, they still did not have a perfect understanding. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit began to give them understanding of the Scriptures that they were able to embrace it, to hold it, to, to really understand it. Well, here's the thing that's beautiful. They had this understanding, and they began to teach others what Christ had given them as well. You remember where John said that even the books of this world, if all that was written that Jesus had done, it could not have been contained. It was enough to just sit down and say, let me tell you about this event. I thought about this as I was taking this down. How long did it take the apostles to overcome themselves as well as the other teachings of this world? Understand, Jesus came to the world at a time where you had Roman politic, Roman, you know, Roman idols everywhere. You had Herod that set up on the throne who was not the king of Israel. And you had also the human thinking that was there. And one of them that really bothered me was found in John chapter 9 when the apostle said, Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And you know, the thing that really bothers me is we continue to teach that to this day. We are such judges. We allow people to see what we're buying. They want to see what kind of clothes we're wearing. They really want to see what kind of clothes I remember, I'm going to share this with you. I remember that I was a young preacher, and here I am in England. And I had joined myself to a little congregation. Beautiful things of God were presented there. They taught a sovereign grace like nobody's business. And I remember that I was sitting down at a table, and we were having our, our, our dinner there. And they had a bottle of wine. And I, went, I put my hand over the glass. And I, no, I'm, I'm too good for a bottle of wine. I'm too good for wine. And the pastor said, well, why would you do that? And I said, well, I don't drink that written in the scripture I couldn't answer him but do you know that we So we're trying to justify every little angle. But may I point this out to you? If I want to see this church grow, then here's what I've got to do. When I lead someone to Christ, I need to sit down with them right then and there and say, when's a good time for us to study?
When can we sit down and enjoy the things of God? When can we become a family member? Let's say that I reach someone that is truly a drug addict. <laughs> Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? A true drug addict. And they come into church and they would say, I was lost, but now I'm found. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. How many and welcome them amongst the fold? I guarantee you, every one of us. But who wants the responsibility to teach them? I want that responsibility. And if I'm going to be teaching them, they're going to ask a lot of questions. And one of the first questions they may ask is this, how can I serve the Lord better? I'm going to show you something. And this, this blew me away. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, there's two things that happened. The church is growing. At this time, it has not divided itself. It's not grown out. But in Acts chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied... Do you realize at that moment that there was probably about 15,000 believers in that church in Jerusalem? About 15,000 believers. There are the Greek Jews with the Hebrews, the Hebronic Jews, because their widows were in neglect in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Reality is, is that the apostles were really dedicated to study. And they wanted to know the Word of God. And I thought about this. Why would they want to know this so, mu so much? Because the Word of God was precious. We have our entire Bible in our laps. But we take them for granted. They had the Bible with them from what they could get out of people. Wherefore, brethren, look out from among you seven men of honest report, number one, full of the Holy Ghost, two, and wisdom, three, whom we may appoint over this business. So the smartest, the most spiritual, the most dedicated would have to be called as deacons. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There were people that didn't need to be served as much as they needed to be fed the Word of God. That is where I fail. And I looked at that, and I thought, Lord, bring it into a conviction to me. Help me to be the man of God that I should be in every case. I cannot expect anything from the congregation unless I look inward, first of all, and realize my own failures and shortcomings. Let me show you again. Let me just point this out to you. And notice it says, and the verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And there was given a company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. Here's the thing. Do I believe in God's great power? When I go out and I preach the word of God, how many people do I expect to reach when I go out? There's times that I, I'm with my co-workers and they'll say something and I, I don't like foul language. I don't any, enjoy any of that. 
And the reality is, is that when I work with these individuals, many times they kind of, they kind of cast it off. They want to apologize for me because I'm a preacher. But do they realize that they're standing before Almighty God? Do they realize that God Anytime you mention Christ, you're bringing condemnation back in the days of the early generations in the 1600s that people would not refer to the word hell as flippantly as we use it today. The reason is, by cursing someone to go to hell, you were saying, be departed. I'm sorry. Hell should not even be a word that comes out of our lips unless we're studying about Satan and his demons. And because Stephen had a desire to teach and stand for Christ, and he confused many many. Here's the thing. The more I study the Word of God, the more powerful my message will be on the street corner. When I go knocking on the door, when somebody says, I don't want to know about your Christ, saying, but He already knows you. And you will stand before Him someday. Overall, there is a great responsibility we have as a church. And I want to see this church grow physically as well as spiritually. The spiritual aspect of this church we are seeing every time we meet together. But the physical attribute will come when we have a desire to go witness for Christ in every corner. Join with me. In prayer. Father, again, I want to thank you for all your goodness to us. Help us now to be faithful unto you in all things. May we rejoice in thy name. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, would you please come forward?